You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 162 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have another great episode for all of you. I am so excited I got the chance to sit down with two-time Tony nominee, Alex Brightman is on the podcast today. I am, I literally, I don't know, I, I was just so excited to to talk to him about his career. Um, this is a performer who I'd have admired for quite some time ever since I was on Broadway and I was able to see him in School of Rock. That was the first time I saw him on stage. I may have seen him in Matilda, but I'm not 100% sure. I saw Matilda a million times, so they all kind of blended together. Um, but I was so, so excited to to talk to him. And I just, every time he's on stage, it doesn't matter who he's playing. It could be someone serious. Um, it could be someone completely absurd. And you are just drawn to him. That's just how good of a person performer he is he can do serious he can do it all um and it was just really cool to talk to him about his career and and kind of that essence you know lately he's been i mean beetlejuice uh dewey in school of rock was kind of a a wild high energy individual charactery all that stuff and mr wormwood of course is very charactery and all of that uh so we kind of talk about that in his career and we talk about the tony awards with that incredible performance and beetlejuice and the power of social media uh improvising all of these wonderful things so i am thrilled uh with today's episode and i know that you all are going to love it so all of you beetlejuice fans and all you alex brightman super stands you know all the things you're welcome um no i but seriously like it's gonna be a great episode and he's one of the nicest guys uh, and you're gonna hear that on today's episode just so easy to talk to so chill and uh you know he's even working on uh stuff of his own right now and i think that that's gonna be bonkers and absolutely incredible uh so it's gonna be something that we're all gonna want to watch out for so i'm very excited anyway that's enough about like loving alex and and boosting his ego uh we gotta talk about some broadway news and then we're gonna listen to alex brightman talk about his career um cool let's talk let's shift gears into the broadway news okay first of all i want to say a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Um, specifically, it's important to say that um, because, you know, there is no 
performing as a child, honestly, even as an adult, because at some point in your life, you know, you had to tell your parents that you wanted to be a performer. So any parent that allows you to be a performer, huge shout out to you. Um, God bless you. And uh, I love you, dad. Um, and uh, hopefully ever all the dads out there, uh, you know, had a wonderful Father's Day. Uh, if y'all are listening and if you're a kid listening, Make sure you uh, hug your dad a little extra or give him an extra hug uh, for letting you do what you love and be yourself. So um, love that. And I also want to extend a happy Juneteenth to all who celebrate. Uh, hopefully you all were able to celebrate in this monumentous day for the United States. Um, Broadway was able to celebrate in a fun, cool way. There were performances in Times Square um, from Tony Award nominees, um, such as Lorna Courtney, Crystal Lucas Perry, Natasha Yvette Williams. All of those, by the way, take about family members, including uh, we have some more, Walter Russell with the third, uh, Antoine L. Smith, Rachel Webb, Kimberly Marable, and many, many more. Um, so it was very exciting uh, to see all of these black performers come together and, um, you know, raise their voice and share the, showcase their art. Um, so that was very cool. And hopefully all of you had a wonderful uh, long weekend celebrating your dads and freedom for the United States celebrating Juneteenth. Um, okay, moving on. You know, there's not crazy Broadway news this week. I don't even know why I like said Broadway news because Loki could just be like Eli's Corner. Um, but that's like super silly and we always do a Broadway news section. So um, with that being said, since there's not a lot of Broadway news, uh, I want to talk about my experience and my week because I saw two things uh, that I want to talk to you about. And I also want to shout out Broadway Cares. And this is how I'll start the segment. I want to shout out Broadway Cares um, and Broadway Bears really. And they they raised over $2 million for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. It's absolutely incredible what they do every year with these two performances that they do, one at 9.30 and one at midnight. It's insane. These performers come together on literally they do uh, an eight-show week and then they do a nine-show week uh, doing Broadway Bears. And this year's featured like Jay Harrison G, Alex Newell, JoJo, uh, Jessica Vosk, uh, Jay Armstrong Johnson, all of these fabulous performers who we all know and love and the fact that they all came together again to to raise money for a unbelievable cause and a cause that is so near and dear to the Broadway community um, is just so special. And uh, shout out to Jerry Mitchell to, for starting all of this. Um, and I just wanted to shout out all of them. Um, and then I, I actually saw this show. I saw Once Upon a One More Time recently. I didn't see it this week. I actually saw it last week, but with all the Tony craziness going on and everything, it kind of slipped my mind. Um, and I kind of just forgot to talk about it on here. I thought that this show was actually really, really good. Um, this show... I saw it very early in preview, so I've heard they've changed a lot since I saw it, uh, and I'm curious to go back. But I feel like this is a show that is, it's kind of like a Moulin Rouge meets like Anne Juliet and Six, you know, like all of them combined. Actually, this show is a lot of musicals combined, but that's another story, and that's a story we can have after everyone's seen the show because um, there are moments in the show that it's like, oh, and this is Finding Neverland, and this is this show, and this is uh, that show, and this is Moulin Rouge, and this is the family-friendly Moulin Rouge, you know, type of thing. Um, but it, nonetheless, it's super cute, super great. The cast is oh, 
incredible. Like, honest to God, to die for. Um, Justin Guarini is fantastic. And Jennifer Samard is absolutely hilarious. That is a duo I'd love to see on stage. Alex Brightman and Jennifer Samard, just saying, putting it out there in the universe. I think that would be iconic. Low-key, Alex Brightman, Sweeney Todd with a Jennifer Samard, Mrs. Lovett, I think would be the funniest version of Sweeney Todd a person could ask for. Um, and I kind of talk about that with Alex on this episode, but moving on. Um, once upon a moment time, it was great. Everyone go see it. Marquee theater. It opens this week. Um, and hopefully we'll be in attendance at the red carpet and all the things. So, uh, stay tuned for all of that content and information. And then I was able to uh, go see a private screening just last night. So on Sunday, um, because I'm recording this on Monday before this comes out on Tuesday. Um, but I got to see Theater Camp starring Ben Platt, Noah Galvin, uh, Molly Gordon, Nathan Lee Graham, all of these wonderful, wonderful performers. And, uh, you know, some of these kids that uh, I know and love very much, including Take About Family member Luke Islam. Um, so every Everyone needs to go see this show. Literally, if you listen to this podcast, I would assume you're a theater kid or like some sort of way, or you love Broadway or you're a fan of something. Um, or you maybe you've gone to theater camp yourself. Um, I know I have. I went in the Pittsburgh CLO summer camps. Um, so literally, if that is you in any way, shape, or form, if you were a kid that loved theater, or even if you were like a teenager that loves theater, because you can relate to Ben and, and the, I guess, camp counselors, you know, in, in a in your own way. The movie was absolutely brilliant. And it's not like, it's not too niche, you know? Like, that's what I was worried about. I was like, okay, we're going to see a, a movie version of, like, a summer camp for theater. Like, literally, it was a more well-rounded and better story camp rock. <laughs> like Logie. And and it was just funnier because it was like improvised and it was just Ben, Noah, Molly, and these fabulous performers just like being silly and, and themselves. You know, it was kind of, it was just brilliant. And uh, I don't know, some of you may know this, some of you may not. I was actually part of the theater camp in the YouTube version of, of this little thing when this was just an idea for Ben and Noah and uh molly and them and it wasn't even announced i don't even think it was announced that like ben and noah were like dating or anything like that but like it was just so funny to like see them interact still and all the things um but yeah it, so to watch it grow into what it has become and to see this little idea you know sprout into a a wildflower and a garden is just really really cool and and something that i love and i can't wait to go back because i want to bring my sister so bad um but it's it's just so brilliant and i just can't wait to to see it a million more times and um i guess this is like as good as time of ever to announce uh, our guests that are going to be joining us for our last for our last episode of June uh, of Pride Month, um, we are going to have both Noah Galvin and Ben Platt on the podcast on Friday, June thirtieth. I'm freaking out, um, but needless to say so excited and i saw them last night and uh we were talking and they were like thursday next thursday right and i was like yes oh my god because that's when we record uh the day before it comes out and so i'm just 
I, I, I can't wait to, to talk to them about the project and about their careers and all the things. So uh, stay tuned because that's going to be a really exciting episode. And we'll talk theater camp before it comes out in theaters July 14th. Um, just super excited. And thank you to Today Takes and Show Score for, for inviting us and bringing us along. It was just an unforgettable night. Um, and it was fun to be in a literal movie screening and like a movie theater with a bunch of theater kids you know like when does that happen very rarely and because of that it just made the experience even better because literally they would reference theater references and this is what i was kind of saying earlier where it wasn't too niche they made theater references so for your theater loving self and those of us who grew up in the theater um we can like cackle for our own ways but it's also just like genuinely funny content and and references that literally anyone will understand because i went with my brother and you know he did some theater but he's not like a theater kid and he was still dying you know like he was cracking up loving it um and so just a really really fun night and i recommend it for everyone i'm so obsessed with this movie already and can't wait to to see it again and uh shout out to all of them okay that's enough about me that's enough about my rant and unfortunately you guys are gonna have to hear it all again next week when i have ben and noah on the show um so with that being said i think it's perfect time to send it over to our guest this week alex brightman so without further ado alex brightman curtain up So today we are joined by one of everybody's favorite performers. He's a two-time Tony nominee who we love for his bits, his voices, his charm, and because he brought back one of Broadway's most beloved shows, Back from the Dead. So welcome to Take a Bow, Alex Brightman. Hi, Alex. What what a beautiful, beautiful introduction that was. That truly was a heartwarming, because you get, get, and I'm privileged enough to say that I've done a lot of like, you know, podcasts that will give you an intro, and they're all always the same it's always just people reading your credits and they go and of course the wonderful whatever and yours was so wonderfully crafted that i i I will this will this is going to go very well oh my god i love it that's a great start i was worried i was gonna have to say your name three times in a row for you to appear but uh really glad you didn't because (laughs) that that it's become it has become now a trite thing to do so i'm glad you didn't do it yeah you're over it right i figured (laughs) no i'm not over it i'm not over it i want to tell you you're too you're better than that eli Uh, thank you oh my god wait i'm honored well this is gonna be this is gonna be so bad but so good because you put both of us in a room together and we're having a conversation and I'm just so thrilled. Um, But the way I usually like to start these things is just to ask, you know, everyone, you know, how, why are we here? Like this industry is crazy bonkers. What inspired you to want to perform and tell stories in the first place? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I do know. It's just that it's, it's, I, I don't know if I have a huge controversial answer for this, but I think it's the right one, which is just like, Unfortunately, I love this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, I wish, I pine, I look at it every day. I walk around any city and I see somebody blissfully working at a hot dog cart. I'm like, why can't, I, why couldn't that have been my love? That looks so much easier than, yeah. than being vulnerable in front of thousands of people or trying to get your writing out there. What am I, crazy? Right. Like, it, so, yeah, I think that why we're here is because we're all a little bit egotistical. We're all a little bit narcissistic, <laughs> and if you don't if you don't agree with that, you're lying. Uh, but yeah. number two, I just think we have some love that we 
continuously wake up with that we feel the need to talk about. I love talking about theater. Yeah. I could do it. I would have done it without you today. I would have done it with my <laughs> wife or I would have done it with my dog. I talk about theater every day at some point. I love it. I, the fun thing about it for me is like, you know, like you said, you walk past a hot dog stand and they're like, why can't that be me? But the fun thing about our job is that, you know, who knows? One day it could be us. We're just doing it on stage or in front of a camera. <laughs> or, or it will be us at that hot dog yeah. cart. And I think there is the other, the double-edged sword. It's like, right. I'd like to keep doing this thing that I'm doing because I know that I would have like, I'd go one day working in, you know, retail or whatever, which again, I know is a possibility and I want to make yeah. that very clear because I don't rest on a nomination or two. I don't rest on the mm. fact that people know who I am because that doesn't matter in this business that much. You still right. have to audition and remind people that you're good. So yeah. I am, and I'll just say this as a quick anecdote is that during the end, the dismount of Beetlejuice near the end mm. of it, I didn't have something coming up aside for some writing projects and stuff, which again, right fun to work on but elizabeth teeter and i who played lydia in the show we talked about legitimately not as a bit not as a joke applying to work at shakespeare and company Aww. so we could number one keep seeing each other but number two i need a job i need to pay my rent right. like <laughs> right. the, we don't want to admit that that's part of this but like it's fun but i want to eat better than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day right so i'm more than uh you know the hot dog cart thing is great but like i don't also don't want to work at the hot dog car. right totally <laughs> it's like college student it's like college life for for our entire life you know the work in the arts i love yeah, why it why not um, yeah who who who, ramen who, in their, who in their right mind would sign up for this i mean this is so <laughs> so ill-advised <laughs> and so satisfying at the same time right but hey it pays off it pays off and and i feel I like so. you i think you've definitely chose the right career thank um, you and and thank, thank you from from us and, and everyone listening that, like, you know, we've been graced by some of the most incredible performances that, you know, our generation, my generation has been able to, oh, to wow. witness. Well, no, seriously. I've, I've, tri I've tricked you. I've tricked you well. Right? <laughs> All of you. That's the big trick. That's the act. Hey, you just fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, sure. um, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, you 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 barged onto the seed in all of these wonderful shows. You know, you've done it all. You've done Glory Days. You've done Matilda. You've done Wicked. Um, you did all of these fantastic musicals. Um, do you know, like, when you were first coming onto the scene and when you first made it to Broadway, you know, this this glamorous world that we sure, sure, think sure. it is, but when it's just you, theater. When you've, you've made it. That's what everyone yeah. believes. Right. Okay, go ahead. I'm with you. You know, was there anything that it was kind of what was the biggest learning curve for you? Because you know, theater, you're doing it. I'm sure you've done it before before you made it to Broadway. But what was yeah. the when you made it to Broadway? Like, oh, I didn't realize this was ha would be happening, or this is something that I didn't realize I'd have to do, or something. I think the biggest lesson is all has to do with professionalism. I think it was mm. you know all the theater stuff is the same. You know, like your you I did community theater forever and high school theater and all that. It's the performing and the rehearsal is all the same. It's a bit longer. It's a bit longer. You're in maybe a nicer space if you're doing it on Broadway, but the performing stuff was like stuff I knew. That's where I felt most comfortable. It's like having to like finish a week of shows, have a day off, and then you go, wait, I have to do this again? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, the, the, the most shows I did in a row before Wicked 
uh-huh. or before I no maybe before my first professional gig, which was a play in Los Angeles, was like a weekend of shows. Yeah, of course. As most most people do, community theater was like you do two weekends. You rehearse yeah. for like <laughs> nine months, and then you perform <laughs> four shows for your family, and nobody else comes. And now you rehearse a show in under a month, and you perform it for two years. Right. Um, and so it was about like longevity and consistency was like the big learning lesson for me. Like I didn't know how much you had to discipline yourself to right. do the same show. And at some point, inevitably, it does here and there get old. I say here and there because it doesn't just continue to get old. You go through, you know, spikes and peaks and valleys of where you go, boy, this week I just don't even remember doing the show. Yeah. But the audience would never know that, thankfully. Um but it's about consistency and how you get yourself up every day and, and ready to do the show that you've done 700 times. <laughs> right. And so that was the big learning lesson for me was like how to be a professional, how to be a businessman also at the theater. And did that kind of increase that realization uh, even more when you, you know, had to do Dewey and Beetlejuice? Like those two, <laughs> you barely leave the stage. Like were you like talking during the day like did you have to change you know did you have to exercise like what what happened off stage to get ready for that thankfully are those pit stains jesus christ <laughs> you look um, great thank, thank you so much <laughs> You're uh, so uh, thankfully i didn't have to exercise for school of rock because i that the show did that for me i mean i yeah exactly dropping weight to a dangerous amount i gained a little bit for the show to look schlubby but then like wow. that was gone within two months i mean i looked became like fitter than I've ever been. <laughs> uh, but vocally, my life had to completely change. I yeah. During School of Rock, I, I didn't do everything I did on stage. I would do the complete opposite in the daytime. I would rest longer. Wow. My breakfasts were enormous because I couldn't eat at some point. Uh, if I ate yeah. too late in the day, I would, you know, food would start coming up in the middle of the show. Like I would, it breathing so hard and because uh, you're right, I never left the stage in School of Rock. Beetlejuice right. became slightly easier because I had done the leading man thing. So I kind of had a couple of things were on autopilot, right? but that was its own different like experience of like not waking up crazy, like not waking yeah. up with the show still on me. Like yeah. I think the big learning lesson there was like how to take the show off every night. Mm. Like not just the makeup and costume and wigs, but how to take like the energy of the show. Cause if you've seen it or if anyone's, it's just was like, it's not normal well, it's not normal what we do anyway, but that on top of it was like then playing that character and then having to like leave the stage door as a human. Right. And then go home and be like a husband. Right. And then go home and like walk my dog. Like it just doesn't seem like that's the thing. Like you think you're just going to like continue on partying. Yeah. So my life did have, my life does change when I'm in a show just because I have a family and I have things to do and so you had, I had to find out late, I'm 36 and I didn't find this out till about 34, that you have right. to like, you have to rest. Yeah. <laughs> so rest is a not only like a lazy, wonderful thing, but it's important. So that's like the big learning lesson. And what about like, you know, when you, you know, you kind of said that Dewey was your first leading man thing. And I guess, you know, consistently every night it totally was. Um, but like, how is that for you in navigating taking on so much like how how did you learn how to not take on everything you know you have to do all these press things and all this especially during the tony awards like oh, how, how do you kind of manage that uh, as like a first timer leading man i guess what an excellent question by the way hey, i don't thanks. i don't know if i've ever gotten that specific question so it's always i'm always on the lookout for like 
who is asking the generally you're gen- genuinely interested in this answer and I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't do it well. I got, wow. so that's the answer is I, I took on way too much. I said yeah. yes to everything that they asked of me because it was my first time doing this. So I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And I put right. everyone on the same page. So like yeah. producers, fans, family, like I didn't have a priority list. So I just mm. wanted to please everybody. So I think really like when it came to like the Beetlejuice of it all, I learned the power of no, yeah. which I'm still way learning and I'm not good at it. Like I want to say yes to everybody. I want to read everybody's scripts that they sent, you know, and I'm still doing a bad job at it to be quite honest. Right. Like I, if started to learn the power of no, but the real power, and I think if anyone listening wants to hear a real superpower to develop, the power of not I'm busy, but I'm not interested. Right. Because you really only have one career, you have one life, and the thing you say yes to takes time away from everything else. Mm. So all of a sudden you go, what is really worth it? And not to say that certain things aren't worth doing, but sometimes you're just not interested. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> but it doesn't right. feel okay because you have to say yes because you're a performer and we like you know uh, uh, people to like us. So you say yes a lot. So I think the power yeah. of no became, is still a, a learning lesson that I'm, I'm sort of still kind of trying to figure out. Right. And I asked that question because, you know, like just recently I've kind of discovered that too because I feel like when I was first, you know, like on my first national tour, I was always told to say yes, you know, and, and make sure that you always say yes to everything because you never know where it could lead you, you know, type of thing. Yep. But then when I came to New York and I came to Broadway and everything like that, it, it, I was doing like four things at once and I wasn't even, you know, it, I didn't have a show named after my character, you know? So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was exhausted and, and yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to go to school. So I, I genuinely asked that in the sense of like, how did you finally allow yourself to become okay? Cause I think that's the biggest thing is for it's us. We have the power to say no, but it's us letting ourselves say no. And so listening to you kind of learn that and how you discovered that and went about it is quite interesting. It doesn't, yeah, it's it's a very mature thing that I think a lot of actors need to learn early because we are by nature immature people because we get right. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. People would be silly. <laughs> and so we have to like turn on, like switch your hat around to like yeah. businessman hat to like really negotiate. Like, am I going to be exhausted by the end of this? Because right. I can't be because I have a show to do tonight. So like yeah. you have to say no to things to do the thing that's actually important. You know? <laughs> right. Well, the, the thing you're that, being paid for. Yeah, exactly. You have to deliver. I mean, everything else is good and for the show and you want to get more eyes on it. But at some point, I mean, we're humans. We bend really far, but we are breakable. Yeah, for sure. And we tend to sell ourselves short at times, um, yes. especially breaking into it all. Um, so I, I'm curious, you know, 
you have a you have a career before School of Rocket and Beetlejuice, but sure. I didn't get to see you in any of those. So forgive me for not asking you those show specific Shame questions. Shame on you. Shame on you. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> when you were in Matilda, I was performing, and I didn't live in New York before then. So okay. I, I you got a pass. Thank you, thank you. Um, but I have got to ask because I'm obsessed. First of all, everyone in School of Rock, I'm obsessed with. You know, those kids are an absolute delight. Um, Diego Lucano, Luca oh. Padova. And the Ethan Kuzman, like, oh my God, what what a bunch of incredible performers and musicians Truly. and talents. They could do it all. Um, do it all. But, but, you know, I loved the show and all I've wanted to ask you was, did you personally, like, I know every kid had their own specific instrument that they were already musically trained in and everything. Sure. Did you have to learn any of that? Because you kind of like showed them in the show, but was that really you playing? It was really me playing. I oh, played guitar. Yeah, I mean, every every instrument that was in the show was live. I mean, there was no instrument that was there as a prop. Every instrument on stage was tuned. Oh, my God. We had a person backstage constantly tuning guitar. So, like, everything, you know, all the the things people were saying was, like, the kids sound so good that it can't be real, right? Right. And so, they were. I mean, I and I, I was heads and shoulders the worst instrument player <laughs> of anybody in that show. I knew guitar. I played guitar since I was a kid, not not in any sort of obsessive way, but yeah. I knew enough to get along. I was in a band or two, like in high school, just to you know, be to be in a band because I wanted to beat girls. Um, yes, and, it did, and, and, and and by the way, didn't work out. Um, yeah. It's so like that. When it became School of Rock time, like when it became time to actually do this, I did get back into lessons. Um, uh-huh to learn a little more about soloing, like to learn a little more about music theory of it all. Cause I knew like power chords and like punk music. And so sure. a little of the soloing was brand new to me and I would really lean on like Brandon Niederauer or, or, you know, uh, some of the uh, other guitar players in the show to help me out. Cause these kids mm. started playing guitar when they were a fetus. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> crazy. Literally. And so, yeah, I, it was the only instrument really that I was slightly proficient at. So it was, that was good and that was helpful. And that was one of the reasons I think they took notice of me is that they mm-hmm. knew that I already had like a working knowledge of the guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I truly, and I mean this, like though I was the bottom of the list of <laughs> instrument, of people that played. Music the show. I was, I'm not being, um, I'm not being humble. I'm not being, I'm not saying this for any effect. Genuinely and educationally the worst player on stage. Wow. You couldn't tell. Good. You well, sold that's the it. idea. Well, yeah. I, yeah. And again, that's not to say I was a bad player. I right. just, I was in no way close to these kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these kids are still doing it, though. Like, this is their profession now. I see Brandon traveling all over the world, oh, you my know, God, it's on crazy. tour doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah they're it's all, and they're all like, they've lapped me now. They're all 45 years old. And they, <laughs> right. I mean, they're all, it's great. When I saw, when I, anytime I see them now, it like, I still can't get over the fact. I was like, you were a, you're, you were a baby when I met you. Yeah. You were a baby. And now look at you. I mean, you're adults that have something to say and you, and they're all just incredible. I love seeing them out in the wild. Yeah. I, I've got to ask, you know, like, you, uh, I don't know. We've heard these things on Broadway before where it's like, don't work with dogs and don't work with kids. <laughs> you, you know? So yeah. I got to ask, I mean, you did it with Matilda and School of Rock, like, <laughs> and I guess Beetlejuice too. Um, yeah. But what was that kind of like? Did you kind of have any added pressure to, you know, kind of be a leader because they probably just 
automatically, you know, without even knowing, just looked up to you. Did sure. you ever, what was that process like in working with them? Well, the uh, what, funny answer, but it's true, is that I had to really curb my swearing. <laughs> of I, course. Because I swear a lot and I, <laughs> I, I try to be better at this, but I have just a filthy, you know, comedic sensibility and sarcastic. So you had to lock that up. We all did as a building. We all kept each other in check as the adults to really, oh, so you know, funny. and you know, with within reason, because these kids, their kids are older and older as they go these days. So these were like old sure. soul 10 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was number one, to be a good leader, you had to like also be a kind, gentle person. Um, right. So that was a muscle that I had to kind of learn. Uh, <laughs> but I, very quickly, you know, I realized because I didn't have a lot of experience around kids. I don't have like younger siblings and, and any real, I now have nieces and stuff, but oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't really know how to act with kids. I didn't know how to converse with them. So I started at the base level, which was like, what's your favorite color? And they're like, what? Stop it. <laughs> well, like, seriously, because I didn't right. know. I didn't, I had no clue what way in it to a 10 year old because I'm course. so not a 10 year old. Um, but they very quickly just were like, just talk to us. And they were really as helpful to me. And I looked mm. up to them big time, especially with like how to deal with their humans. They're little humans. The fact that we're at different ages was a pretty negligible fact. Yeah. So it was cool. And, and they did help me feel like a leader, which helped mm. with the Beetlejuice of it all as well to like, not just know that on stage you're the number one, but like you lead the building. And if you lead yeah. the building, well, the show gets better. And so that right. helped that helped with experience and, and they were, I mean, kids will give you instant feedback. If they don't like what you're doing, they will let you know. And so it was good. It was, <laughs> it was some, some, yeah, so sometimes, sometimes a little painful because you're like, oh my God, I genuinely hurt this kid's feelings and I am in my thirties. Um, so, uh, but you know, they taught me a lot of stuff. They taught me a lot about comedy. They certainly taught me a lot about instruments. And I think that because of their faith in me as a leader, yeah. I think it really gave me the confidence to also consider myself one. Cause you know, that. before that you're part of an ensemble right? and that's good. And that's safe because you're part yeah. of like the same group when you're leading a show, it is slightly isolating. So it is nice to have that backup of people that say, we believe in you. Yeah. Especially cause like, you know, you sign up for it and you're like, Oh great. I'm going to be the lead of the show. And you forget <laughs> everything that comes with it. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more than just being the lead which is yeah. memorizing all kind of material oh, and stuff. It's crazy. M- madness. Um, but th- this whole industry is, so it's great. Um, I got to talk to you about these two Tony performances because both okay. with Beetlejuice and School of Rock. I mean, I think the Beetlejuice one is perhaps my favorite Tony performance ever. Uh, it was too. just so <laughs> brilliant. Did, did I got? Do you write that, or did did you have like a group of writers or any of the improv? Like, wh- what? How did you that all come about? I guess. See, I'm an improviser at my core. Yeah, but it would be so against everything I believed to <laughs> improvise anything on live television in front of millions of people. So we really all those performances that we did with Beetlejuice where we changed the lyrics because that wasn't the only time we did it. We did it on oh. the Today Show. We did it. We changed yeah. lyrics all the time. And so the improv brain for me helped with that because it's ill-advised again to like do different lyrics of a show you're doing that night on, right. in the morning. Uh, but no, they, uh, Eddie perfect who wrote the lyrics of the show, he Dang contributed. Man. Oh yeah. I mean, he could not contributed. He basically did those. I mean, so we would go back and forth. I would say that I helped 10% of 
uh, with oh the, sort of the right, the rewriting of stuff just to make, cause it, you know, I'm the one out there doing it. And so if it didn't feel right, we would talk about it, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, it was a collaboration for sure, but they really did a lot. I mean, a lot of the stuff that people love in the show that are like, you must've come up with that. No, I didn't. It was a very, very good script that I was yeah. able to run with and get latitude with, but the writers are owed a ton of credit for the show. Tons. It- yeah, I I love the show. I think Same. the show is brilliant. And, and I was thrilled to, you know, have an afterlife for the show as well. Because uh, <laughs> I had only seen it like once or twice at the Winter Garden, but then I got to see it a few times just because Elizabeth and everything. Yeah. Um, I love her. Um, she's the best. So, um, I, yeah, but that Tony performance is like one of the ones that I'll never forget. You know, you were just calling people out in the audience. You started in the audience just in a seat. It was just like, it was hilarious. Adam Driver killed Han Solo like that like, everyone everyone loves that line and everyone so brilliant I, so many people are like did you improvise that line in the moment and I was like yeah. do you know anything about anything <laughs> like I'm, I think I'm okay at improvising yeah. I think I'm pretty good at it actually but in no way would I trust myself to like look out into the audience and go let's see who, how I can rhyme and also <laughs> pick someone out no I mean it's all the writers and, and the Adam Driver thing came out of I mean, I had nothing to do with that. I just had to deliver it uh, properly. And I, oh my I God. think it went well. But uh, yeah, that performance is, is uh, it's got like the most views, I think, yeah. of any performance that's like ever been on the Tonys. It's great. As it should. But oh, but okay. that also has a huge, um, I don't know, that's like a kind of a testament to your Beetlejuice fans. Your Beetlejuice fans were bonkers. You know, they were like a cult. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I say, we, say, we say we say it lovingly all the time. I mean, I say all the time, like the Beetlejuice fans are out of their minds. And I say that in a good way. I mean, I say that in like, I mean, some, I mean, obviously there, there are limits, you know, to fandom and like people can get, but that's everything. Right. That's not, that's not just like special to Beetlejuice, but yeah, the fans of Beetlejuice, which I made the wrong assumption. I, I thought they were going to be incredibly nuts to a point that was like unfavorable and, and unsavory. They were oh. so warm and continue to be um, yeah. and supportive and, and not, uh, I mean, for I speaking for what I have experienced, just incredibly kind and love something, you know, it's yeah. not an, it's not always an obsession, I think for people. And I think people can look at it like obsession but I think it's just real genuine love of this show that catered to misfits, you know? Yeah. And especially with this younger generation, that makes me sound a thousand years old when I say that. But with the jet, but with the younger generation, like there are you, all you have to do is scroll TikTok for 10 minutes and you understand right. how vulnerable and confident, but sad and scared mm. this new generation is. And I think that like Lydia and the darkness of the show and the weirdness and the embracing of the weirdness really struck a chord with these weirdos. And Absolutely. I, and as a musical theater person, I'm also a weirdo. <laughs> right. So right. We, it, it was a nice home. It was a nice inclusive home for like this Island of misfit toys to commune. Yeah. And, and you know, you guys really, kind of played into it and like and, and embraced them you know oh, to, yeah. to help that fandom you know you had that wall in the marquee which was one of the coolest things I've seen so the fan cool. art. yeah and you guys were making you know these TikTok videos and all these things like did you ever when when I guess this whole TikTok thing was starting you know and Beetlejuice became a hit on TikTok 
did you know what was happening or did Presley or whoever kind of just pull you in and be like, hey, you want to do a video? Yeah, <laughs> it was, was Pres- It was solely Presley Ryan really? who basically saved the Winter Garden run. And I say <laughs> that, I don't say that lightly. I mean, I didn't, I went from not knowing what, I think, I believe at some point I called TikTok Tic Tac. Um, oh my God. Because I didn't know what it was. I didn't have it. I didn't, I didn't, I was like, this is a hundred percent not my deal. Like this couldn't be less what I want. And by the way, I've turned a corner on it. It's like my favorite app in the world. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not on it. I don't, I'm not on any social media, like in any sort of contributing way anymore. Like I don't, right. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, but as like a viewer, like I don't have a screen name. I don't have a page. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, Presley Ryan just asked me to do these things and it was fun. And I love Presley and I loved everyone in the building. So happy to do it. I had plenty of time. And also like we started to see the results um, of reaching out and, and, and connecting with the fans in this way. So if we didn't do it, we'd be crazy. I mean, it was just like, it helped the show and it kept, it continues to help the show. I'll get tagged and stuff all the time still. Yeah, I'm sure. And even like, you know, you kind of, you didn't like make it happen, but in the in the afterlife, I guess at the marquee, you know, it it continued. Just kind of maybe it was organically, but maybe you guys kind of planned it out with the bows. You know, the bows just became this huge <laughs> viral sensation between you and Elizabeth. Do you have a favorite one? <laughs> well, first of all, I legitimately, I'm sure Elizabeth will remember. I don't remember when we decided this was going to be like a thing that we did. Like we just yeah. started doing crazy stuff anyway at the bows because I think bows are a little silly. Like I think that I just personally think bows sure. are like a little silly when they're like drawn out. Um, <laughs> so this was my way of sort of like counterculturing bows. Like I took it, you know, took it and reappropriated it in some silly way of like, and Beetlejuice was the perfect show to do it. And Elizabeth, right. Got right on board, and as she it. as she does, she's one of the most creative human beings I have worked with in a long time, mm. and so we yeah we just kept this list running. Favorite bow, um, I mean the lightsaber battle was super <laughs> intricate, and we had we had rehearsed it a couple of days in a row to get it right. <laughs> oh um, my I god! Truly, I mean we took these our intermissions like when people most people rest. Our intermission <laughs> was figuring out and choreographing what the bow would be that night. Uh, oh my god! So we're nutcases. I think I think maybe my favorite bow. There is a very specific one where we're both wearing glasses and pretending like we're like celebrities and like oh being yes, that maybe because it made me laugh and it still makes me laugh to watch it. <laughs> like there's footage of it, and when I watch it, it's like Elizabeth and I like one of our favorites because it just was so random and. But it worked out well. It, like it, 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 it hit the way we were hoping. Oh my god! I'm There's a obsessed. million of them. They're so fun. I, so I wish we could continue. I mean, that was the best. Yeah. Did you guys ever feel like you guys were running out of ideas? I feel like that would be so like, oh my god! I feel like that's stressful. You know, like constantly figuring it out. <laughs> we were constantly scraping for ideas, yeah. and someone would mention something, and we'd be like, oh, that's a good idea. We got to the point where Elizabeth would go on like an Instagram live or a TikTok. I don't remember some kind of live thing. Oh my and god! Ask. And so, because we're just like we're out of ideas, but we're happy to like do whatever. So we got great ones. We got like you know. We got a lot of dangerous ones, like lift lift Alex in the air above. Your right. <laughs> uh, but no, we Hilarious. got some great ones. We got really, truly some great ones from, oh my from God. people online. And, and why not, right? It was just for them anyway. Exactly. Um, a little bit for us, but we, we, for the most part, wanted people to like stick around, you know, like yeah. see, for, for the bows and enjoy them. Uh, but yeah, no, we were constantly running out of ideas. I think uh. we 
we didn't leave many on the table. We tried to do as many as we could before we left. And uh, we kind of knew what we were going to do for the last one for a little bit. We oh, my God. That that was going to be slightly emotional. We didn't want to do something too silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple we didn't get to do. You know, there's a couple like we couldn't make happen. Like we wanted a special guest. Oh, um, we wanted to like rise up on the lift with like someone insane, like someone cr- like Jason Derulo. Um, <laughs> right. Oh my God. Um, which That's was, you crazy. know, is a callback to like part of the show. We wanted to have one where like Billy Crystal and Kristen Chenoweth would come up and not us. Oh my like, God. We wanted it to just be them and them come take the bow and then us not even take a bow. Um, Stop it. So there was a lot of those that we couldn't figure out mainly because of COVID. Like we couldn't do like a guest in the building. So, right. But no, and for d- the most part, we, we, we got them all done. So. Like, did you have to get this stuff approved by stage management or anything before doing it? (laughs) Some of them probably we should have for sure. Um, Some of them we did because like I brought a cell phone on stage to film one of them. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, we had like a bubble machine on one of them and we wanted yeah. to make sure that like the bubble, like the liquid wouldn't get into like the tracks of the stage. Like, oh, and, right. And so like a couple of things we just double checked, but for the most yeah. part, they were very, very cool about um, if we let them know in advance what yeah. needed to happen and how we could do it. So they were very helpful for the most part. We didn't get a lot of no's. I love it. I mean, this show's called take a bow so i'm eating it up you know like it i think it's brilliant uh every time you guys did like a really fun one or whatever or like one that would go viral i would always mention it here and like play it for everybody it was hilarious you know we should have done we should have we should have had you come backstage and oh do a God. podcast with us and then lift up with us and continue doing the podcast as we were bowing Stop and then it. do it back into the dressing room like as like it's part of the podcast that would have been incredible that would have been iconic. Oh my if god! If we ever do it again, reasons. if we ever do make it, it happen, if Beetlejuice goes to the West End or whatever, we do it there, <laughs> then, and we'll uh, we'll take you with us. Perfect. Yeah, and I I love Elizabeth, and we're talking about her. So I've got to mention. I I was texting with her last night and she wanted me to ask you a very specific question, and you don't have to answer this if you want to. Go ahead. But she wants me, and and I guess she wants me to ask you. And she wants you to explain oh the time that she broke you on stage. So I don't know if, I mean, I remember one very specific one. I don't know if, she's, <laughs> if I don't know if she mentioned a very specific one or not. She said that it was the first time he's broken in three years. And he even yeah. called his wife to tell her the news. Yep. Care to explain? Yeah. She said she holds it over your head. So I don't know if you maybe know. If that well, rings a bell. It, I mean, certainly one of them rings a bell. I don't know if she's referencing something even more specific than this, but there's a moment <laughs> in Say My Name. I mean, we were constantly, I was trying to break, I, I, it's like my side mission in every show that I do is to like break everybody just because it's fun. <laughs> and uh, some people are much more breakable than others. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and she she was pretty pretty easy. All I had to do was pretty much make eye contact with her and she would start laughing. Um, I love but it. there was just one moment in say my name right before she pushed me off the roof where I get uh-huh. very close to her. So like we're in profile for the most part. So the audience sort of can't see our eyes. And she just looked up at me and like was a little cross-eyed <laughs> and she never did it before. And uh, I was hoping never again because I was going to <laughs> and I just couldn't get the rest of my lyrics out until I fell off the roof and I started laughing Nothing. and she started laughing. Uh, I would also start laughing like if I broke her big time, like if I did something very new and she just completely lost, like it would watching her laugh would break me as well. Right. Um, but it also we're just in the perfect show to do it. Right. Because right. it's like nobody's going to go, wait a second, they're <laughs> actors, you know? Um, yeah. 
So it's not like in Les Mis, you you try to do that or something, <laughs> right? I'm trying to. I think that was. I mean, that's the one I remember immediately when you say broke because it's again. I I genuinely don't typically break on stage. I do the one. I do the breaking. Really. Um. And so yes, I remember. I did. I called my wife and I was like, I haven't laughed as Alex Brightman on stage in it probably it. was over three years because it was just like. And it's a surreal feeling and it makes it feel super live and it's super nervous. It's like very nervy, but yeah. boy, did it make me feel alive for sure. So she's, oh yeah, my she's the first one. And I imagine for a long time, maybe she will be the one that holds the, the mantle for, for breaking me on stage. She was so proud of it. Telling me about it. She just was going on and on. She was like, no one does it. I was so happy. I hold it over his head. You know, like yeah. I was like, oh my God. For anybody who's wondering about Elizabeth Teeter, which I you should, because she's worth watching and wondering about, is that she is, because Lydia's was funny and, and had its own little quirkiness to it. Elizabeth Teeter, I'll go on the record and say this, is one of the funniest people yeah. I have ever had the pleasure of talking to, knowing, and performing with. And I don't say that because we're talking about her right now. I say that because it is true. I don't know if I know many other funny people like her who could yeah. genuinely get a laugh out of somebody. And this is coming from somebody who prides themselves on being a comedian. <laughs> I don't know if there are many other funny people like her. Yeah. I agree. And I think it's like, so like genuine, like she doesn't like actually try to be funny or like, you know, it's just all comes from such a, she's, she has such a good heart. It is and like always fearless. from a well place. Yeah, totally. She is. She's fearless, which is like, again, like when you see somebody who's fearless, like you, like I've met my match, I was like, Oh, okay. So I don't need to teach her a damn thing. She's, oh. she is, she, I mean, she was immediately such a good sparring partner on stage. Oh. Um, it's one of the things I miss it the most is not being able to hang out with her all the time. Um, even I though we that. live pretty close to each other now, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's telling me about that. That's so cool. You guys, I, she talks about you all the time. Like, there's not a conversation. <laughs> She's like obsessed you know, with she, it. She is obsessed. <laughs> um, but there's literally not a conversation where it's, she like doesn't mutual. bring up Alex or something. Yeah, it's, she. It's so she adores obsessed. you. I love this relationship that you guys have. <laughs> uh, it's so cute. Um, and that's what we love about theater. You know, we really oh, become yeah. a family. It's like, it's beautiful. And you find you find friends you know late in life which is a thing that yeah. not a lot of people get the privilege to have and i think like if you're just work like you know a job in a cubicle like there, mm. how often do you get to meet a new friend with what you do so right. doing new shows means that you get this new group of people to like figure out and so some of them become your friend and i as a person who doesn't have a ton of like friends like i have a lot of acquaintances and and, and i right. would be friendly with people but friends right i mean that's a big word and yeah. so I think that it's cool when you meet somebody like Elizabeth and you go, it's nervous making because you go, wait, is this a friend now? Like, are we friends? Yeah. This is kind of cool. Um, yeah. How does this work? Unexpected. Yeah, it's unexpected. <laughs> right. it, it, it's rare that you have to do friendship, you know? Right. right. But it's great because the universe kind of puts them right where they're supposed to be, you know? Like, Absolutely. we don't have to go to a bar and try to make friends, you know? That's like, what I mean. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's it's great. Um, they're I mean. built-in friends. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've got to talk to you before we leave the Beetlejuice chat. Um, I, as a performer, just admired this performance from so many levels. The work that you put into this was so evident. And <laughs> every night, you know, eight shows a week to be able to do this was, ha ha it, I don't know, it had to have taken a lot of work and, and dedication and, and you did it brilliantly. Um, so this voice that you did to, to sound like Beetlejuice and everything, uh -huh. I'm sure people ask you about it, you know, 
I, I, I'm curious, did you go into the audition room with this voice, with this character already, like we saw <laughs> on stage, or is that something that kind of developed over time or, or what was that? But kind of both and neither a little bit, just kind of, I, the, the audition came late. I was like sitting at home and it was like six, 7 PM. And I got this thing that was like, Hey, they're auditioning a bunch of guys to play Beetlejuice and they want you to come in tomorrow. And I was like, okay, uh, what? which is fine. Which is fine. I mean, like for me, it's like, that's fine. I don't mind. I love coming in for things. I have an improv core. I'm all about like, okay, sure. I mean, you asked me, they know this, they know they asked me the night before. So it's not, they're not going to yeah. come in expecting perfection. So I did as much as I could, but I also knew that Beetlejuice was a demon and a monster. So he couldn't sound <laughs> like me. I, people forget that my voice is actually pretty high. Yeah. Um, like, and because I've done this now for so long, people just assume that I sound like Beetlejuice, <laughs> which is not true. Uh, but I came in trying my best to do something that felt like gravelly and monstrous and it killed my voice. So when I oh. got the part, I was excited for the reading and workshop, but I was equally terrified because I was like, how can I keep this up? I don't know if I can. Yeah. So I worked with a vocal coach and I worked with a vocal pathologist um, and mm. I, who taught me exercises to do in and out, in, inside and outside the rehearsal process and <clears throat> was scoped twice a month oh. by, by an ear, nose and throat doctor just to make double sure and triple sure that I wasn't doing long-term damage. And over the course of like about a year off and on, I think I like found the way to do the two and a half hours of the show. Wow. Um, and then get some rest in between or, or navigate in certain ways. If I was having a little, a day where I was feeling vocally under and the longer we got to do it, which again, that's very privileged. You don't get to do a show this long like this and figure it out. Yeah. The more comfortable I felt trying stuff. And so it just got <laughs> stronger. I mean, like the more I felt comfortable doing it, I could do tons of stuff with it and do it for longer, which is great. Right. Except now that I'm not doing Beetlejuice, it's like basically like a party trick that nobody cares right. about. Um, <laughs> except for the fact that it did lead to a ton of voiceover work, which is like really oh. was one of the unexpected sort of perks of, of learning how to do this with my voice and helped me want to discover other voices to do, which I never thought would be yeah. kind of part of this. I was very into musicals and theater. I was like animation. I don't let other people do animation, but I wow. enjoy it. I love doing voiceover and it's become a, another part of my life. So Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Um, yeah, but you kind of say, you know, earlier you were kind of talking about people forgetting that you have like <laughs> a higher voice or what you sound like. Um, but it's so true because like when you, when I go see a show and even if someone has like an accent or like a dialect that they have, yeah. you know, like it's, it's easy to slip in and out of it. Maybe you drop the ball on one of the lines or whatever. <laughs> but like every time you spoke or sang it was there, you know, like you never weaved in and out of, of the voice or, or the bit or anything, you know, you fully committed a hundred percent. And I think that's a testament to your performance, you know, people well, forgetting. Yeah. I try, and I've said this before, and I want to inspire others to try this, even in, it doesn't matter what part you play in a show is like, I, my goal in any show that I do now, and it wasn't always a goal with school of rocket began, I would like to do something that seems impossible. Like yeah. when you see the show, you should lock out going like the show was good, sure, or bad or whatever. Um, but undeniably, something that Alex did, you're like, how the hell did he do that? Like I yeah. want people to feel 
but also equally like inspired to like try and find something. If you're an actor, like that should be your like extracurricular goal is to find something mm. that's not going to kill you. I mean, it shouldn't feel like you're overcoming any sort of adversity to do it. Sure. But to like figure something out that's not there. The voice was not a requirement for this show. Like that's not. Wow. I just did it. And so people think that that's what, what it is, but understudies <sighs> and standbys and people on tour, like everyone is doing a different Beetlejuice and that's how it should be. Right. Um, and with School of Rock, it was like, how much energy could I output? Like, it was just, right. I want people to know, I want people to walk out going, there's no way he does that eight shows a week. Yeah. Um, which is how I felt about a lot of performers that I saw. I You feel like that show tonight was specifically the only one he's doing this month, and it was for me. And I just think it's, you know, that's my new goal. Whether I do something subtle that seems impossible or something really over the top like that voice. Yeah. Um, it just keeps it fun for me and it keeps it interesting. And especially when you do a show hundreds of times, that's like, you have to, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. So continuing to work on the voice, uh, it wasn't, I mean, it was riding a bike a little bit, like you got the pedals in order and all that, you could figure it out, but yeah, making it hard for myself, making it interesting, trying new stuff. And that inevitably like helped the voice, helped the performance, kept it fresh. So, you know, I appreciate when people, also, Eli, I liked that you said you could tell that there was effort there. Yeah. Because a lot of people will say, oh, it's so natural, it's so effortless. And I'm like, you have missed the whole point <laughs> of all of that. You've discounted now all the hard work I've done when you just think right. it comes naturally. I was like, you think this comes naturally <laughs> to anyone? Um, you so try I it. <laughs> well, and I can, you know, right. it's obviously us as performers, as fellow performers, you understand. Right. Like, I don't think totally. outside people just understand that we're not just born with a bunch of talent <laughs> that we just get to like divvy out over the course of years. We discover it. We rediscover it. We challenge yeah. it. We get stronger. We get weaker. So we work with that. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate when people can understand how much effort it takes to look effortless. Yeah, right. But it's that's, not. That's where the rehearsal, you know, that that's the importance of it all, you know. Yeah. to become effortless or look no, effortless at least. A, theater is a full contact sport. I think people forget that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to ask you, you know, as a performer yourself um, and, and kind of, I guess, moving forward in your career, um, between, I mean, even Mr. Wormwood and, and Dewey and and Beetlejuice, you know, these are all like character-y, yeah, you right. know, characters, you know. Do you kind of feel like, you know, that is you? Like, how do you define yourself as an actor? Are you a character performer or do you feel like you're kind of typecast that way? Or like, what what is that? And moving forward, is that kind of what you want to continue doing? Is the character stuff or is it something more serious or, or what? Well, first of all, I mean, I if it turns out that I am typecast that way, that's perfectly fine because it means I keep getting cast. Number one. Yeah, um, period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, yeah, I think probably if I had to define something, I would say that I am more of a character actor now than anything. I mm. really enjoy disappearing a little bit um, into yeah. something, bringing, bringing parts of yourself to it. You think you have to. It's inevitable. But I do enjoy, sure. you know, making, being somebody else and wearing somebody's skin. That being said, yeah, um, I just have done a few things recently where I got to play human beings. Like I do, I'm on this season of The Blacklist right now that's airing. Yes. Um, and I get to play a guy, just a regular dude. And, and like, that's <laughs> been fun and, and discovering that it's not boring. And like, I think right. that I've gotten so used to the idea that if I'm not playing something insane, it'll just be boring. 
And that's not true. And so I'm learning how to, I think, do more, I guess you'd call it serious, but like still, you know, just more normal sort of base, like grounded <laughs> characters. I'm trying to find yeah. how to make that layering uh, exciting too. And I, I am succeeding, I think. I think there's like parts I definitely want to play. Um, uh-huh. I have something coming up where I'll be playing uh, a, a human, but I'm playing oh, somebody, great. I'm playing somebody notable. I'm playing a person that exists. Um, oh god! And so, uh, and, I, and, and once and once we are done recording, I will tell you what it is. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's I, okay. but I, I don't know when this is coming out, so I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I this not not been announced. Uh, yeah, but no yes, pressure. I think I think it is still a character role because I'm playing somebody else, and I think that is where I feel most at home currently. Yeah. Um, and I think it's where I'll feel most at home for a long time, just because it's fun for me to throw a spaghetti and see what's there. And, yeah, and, uh, I also like making people laugh, so that's never going to go away. Totally. I, yeah, because I was always curious because, you know, you kind of talked about how much you love improvising and all the things like that. Yeah. It is so you and, and you flourish in those types of roles. So I was curious to hear, you know, how you felt about it all. Um, I would be interested. Cool. I would be interested in doing something that is like, you know, something I've been averse to for a long, like a, a Shakespeare. Yeah. Like what that feels like to have to be beholden to text. Yeah. Like low key, though, like I see you. Like, I feel like it'd be sick if you played Sweeney Todd. Like, if you replaced Josh Groban or something, like, I want to see that. Like, that's crazy. Well, I hope, I would hope they'd be comfortable with me singing it up the octave because I can't sing this note. Um, right. But I, I would happily do, like, you know, the sort of rock tenor version of Sweeney Todd. Uh, Period. Again, you know, like, it's, well, listen, we're all doing weird adaptations of things. Who, who says that Sweeney Todd can't be, you know, a rock tenor who's funny? Uh, listen i will be there i will buy a ticket i promise <laughs> like i i promise there will be people in seats you know like i yeah, i'm I there think, i think that now i've been given a lot of like goodwill like good faith to yeah. like do do things that i want to do so i'm happy to say and that, again i keep using this word but it's true like i am i've earned i think my success for sure but i do think yeah. that i also am very privileged to have been given the opportunity mm. to do it um and so I'm hoping that I can continue to kind of make make good on those things and and be a, and be a bit more choosy to do right. something that is a little more like off the beaten path of something. Not to say that what I'm doing is easier comes naturally, obviously, but to do something where it is so outside of my comfort zone. I felt I, I have felt in my comfort zone for a long time mm-hmm. doing these things. Sure. So there there is a bit of that like sadistic, you know, masochistic quality of like let's do something <laughs> that scares me. It's like what? Yeah. It's true. Yeah, exactly. You want to keep it fresh. You want to exercise new muscles and all the things. It's great. Um, Well, you're doing a lot right now. I mean, you're you're writing your own show. You know, you have the blacklist. You have all these things coming up. And you also have this new project that you're working on. Well, I guess that you already worked on. And it's just coming out very soon next week. Uh, And it's called Lou Burger and the Wizard of Friendship, their cast album. We got to talk about it. You are playing... Well, you're playing Flim Flam the Sausage Man. Is that correct? That is correct. You didn't. You, you, read, you, you read that. You read that perfectly. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't yeah. even know if I was announcing it, or, uh, pronouncing it right. Um, I'm obsessed. I'm intrigued. I'm. I'm all the things. And yep. talk to me about this and this <sighs> cast album. Totally. It's the weird. I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, I love that we went from me talking about how I want to play grounded <laughs> roles to now you play Flim Flam the Sausage Man. Uh, 
That's its right. own. I mean that that should be the commercial for this this podcast. Um, Done. I uh, first of all, I got to work with the Try Guys right at, during Beatles. Yeah, Jesus. I got a chance to meet Keith and all, and and even Alex and and Huey who, who mm. make up Blue Burger. Um, and we just be, you know became like light texting buddies, you know, like over like okay. comedy stuff. And and then once they started getting this show up off Broadway, they were asking for advice because they'd never done it. So I was you know slightly helpful in talking about how to do a show. They'd never done a long run before. Um, mm. And so then they asked me if I would play in the show Keith's Dad, which is like this big cameo oh part that God. went through. So a lot of people played at me, Rob McClure, Elizabeth Teeter, uh, uh, played oh Keith's God. Dad in, in a performance. And so then we just became like kind of entertainment buddies. And then when this album came out, they asked me if I'd play a part, which I did not play in the show. Um, right. And I... It's very hard to say no to because they're so fun and they have such a cool fan base and it's a they're hilarious and any chance I could get to hang out with them was going to be a yes. Um, yeah. And then this is this character. Is, I mean, it's the craziest show. Yeah. Blue Burger and the Wizard of Friendship. I mean, it's the wackiest title for the, an even wackier show. Um, and Flim Flam, the sausage man. He is a, a hot dog looking a sausage in a bun character. Cute who sort of guides them is sort of like almost uh, like Dobby, the house elf meets Gollum meets like uh, Jiminy cricket. Like he kind of like guides them through this world of uh, oh my God. no friendia land um, <laughs> where they have I'm to like already. learn how to be friends <laughs> through this journey. And, uh, w- and when you listen to the album, you will uh, understand that Flim Flam goes through a pretty good uh, soul searching through the show and, uh, decides to sort of come out as who he really is. And I'm not going to spoil what that is, oh. uh, but there's a very big kind of twist that you definitely see coming, which is why it's funny. Uh, and once it's finally revealed, it is, it is a, a very vulgar, wonderful uh, uh, journey, uh, end of a journey, uh, but I can't, spoil. I will not spoil that for anybody. <laughs> no, no, you no. You have to listen to the album. You have to know the show. Uh, and if you know, you know, as people say. I'm obsessed. That's that's <laughs> such a cool thing. It sounds so interesting. And they already uh, released one of their songs. Like, uh, they have a bunch of songs released, and they're kind of like parody, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Are. Is that kind yeah. of a good way to say it? But that, their one song, It's a Stupid Idea to Put on a Broadway Show, is like so funny because right. it literally, it's so true and it's so real. Like everything they discuss in that song, it's like, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. And it's a perfect, like there are so many comedy shows, even the silliest of comedy shows, like try and take themselves seriously at some point yeah. like, to make it like a real theater piece. And I would, I say this with all the love in the world. They didn't attempt that at all. I love and they it. shouldn't have. Right. And they the show knew what it was and it, never stopped knowing what it was. And so I commend them for like sticking to their guns and not like bending to like the theater machine to like the last 10 minutes or like, this is what the show's really about. It's not that it's just a comedy, right? And it, like it starts as a comedy and it ends as a comedy. You learn nothing from this show. You shouldn't. If you learn anything from the show, you've made a huge mistake. And, right. <laughs> and you should just be having fun. It should take you away. It's exactly what theater does. They're geniuses. They're evil geniuses. Um, <laughs> and I, by the way, and I hope they're listening to this. I use the term genius lightly. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, it, it's not every day you just come come across one. So uh, I, right. I, I believe it's uh, June 25th, and I'll re-record that if that's not correct, when the album comes out. And that's going to be on all streaming platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music, basically. Uh, you get to hear from Alex Brightman. You get to hear from all the Lou Berger guys. You get to hear from Wayne Brady. Um, there's a bunch of fa- fabulous people talent on on this album so definitely go check it out uh, very and that's lucky like, to be a part of it soon. yeah it's so cool and those guys are hilarious i could totally see you guys getting along so yeah. uh i i think it's a mashup and a collaboration that everyone is it needs to to you know witness and, and hear about so well, i have before i have a question for you um what are you up to post pandemic what what has been going on what have you like who have you turned into? Uh, like, what's one new thing about you that you've kind of figured out about yourself post pandemic? I know everybody has. Mm. Unless Yikes. you're the one person um, who has <laughs> that, no, 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 that's a great question. Um, I've kind of found myself again. Um, Good. And in the sense that, like, pre pandemic, I was a different man in the sense of I was a little boy, uh, you know, prepubescent and all the things. And, uh, so I, I did not sing the entire pandemic and, you know, I told myself that I, I I was just scared and, and like, I was like, I don't know who I am and I'd never not known how to sing. And so, um, felt felt super lost but then you know i i started this because i was like i want to stay creative and i got to figure out how but i love to talk and i love to just ask questions and and i'm just i like to sponge things up i guess um so so i started this and i started talking to friends and, and through them you know in these discussions they inspired me to kind of find myself again and find my craft again and brought me back to those memories of, you know, performing on Broadway and, and being a performer and type of thing. Um, so I feel like young. I, I oh, no, Yeah. So I, it was just nice that I found myself as like, cause it was a big question of like, who am I? But now I kind of have been okay with the fact and saying that I am a performer, even though I haven't been on Broadway for like, what six seven years and it was just like that was kind of hard for me to to kind of come to terms with broadway does not equal you being a performer and i think that that's something right. that i think that you're learning i mean a lot of people like especially when you get lucky because how old are you i'm 20 now right so i mean you really truly were a, a still a child i mean when this all happened <laughs> and and so when you yeah. get lucky early and you get you know the talent pays off early there is a weird correlation between what you believe success is. And I'm sure that like that came to you now, like you found this podcast, you do all this stuff. Your generation is so crazy ambitious and it's so cool to know that you survived this pandemic because I can't imagine being young and also going through this. Like I, I had Mm. many years of normalcy, it seemed before like this crazy thing shut us all down. So I, I, I commend you. That's why I ask these questions to younger people. Is like, I think it's incredible that you not only like made it out the other side, but like made it out as an adult. Like you've evolved, you've matured, yeah. and it's cool to see. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I feel like if it wasn't for the pandemic, you know, like, I don't know, like it just said, I don't know how it would have been, you know, like no, type know. of thing this- where it's like, I'm gr- n- now grateful for it because it's like, it, 
I all these mental health things kind of arose during the pandemic, and I think that yes. that's real for everyone. And you know, I became very OCD, and uh, like the germophobia was my anxiety was off the charts. You know, like yeah. all of the things, and, and so to kind of navigate and understand all of that, um, we and all got go a chance that, to slow down. I wouldn't. I think- that was the big yeah. thing is that we all got a chance to kind of really do the who am I thing, which is like, we all talk about yeah. having the time to do it. And then we all were given so much time to do it that we kind of had to yeah. do it. And I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a scary thing. So, yeah. so that time was like necessary because it was still like just towards the end of the pandemic when kind of things were going back to normal where it was like, really like yeah okay yeah this is definitely who i am now like yeah i've pinpointed it but it wasn't until like the second year yeah 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 so um you know it taught me a lot um and and being with my family through it all was terrible but so wonderful through it all (laughs) i think think nobody i think nobody can't understand that so i think that that's yeah (laughs) we all want to rip each other's heads off now 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 back to me i'm i'm it's back to you yeah well um (laughs) I mean, do do you need to go? Because I don't want to keep you, but I do. I could ask you a Spamalot question if you want to talk ask Spamalot. Me, ask me a Spamalot question, then at some point I do have to walk my dog. So I, I but I'm I'm here. I'm here for the last Great. question. Or two. No, we'll keep it to one. I was able to. I was actually at the same uh, to uh, coincidence. Um, was at the same performance as Elizabeth Teeter in the Kennedy Center. Ah. Uh, we we went to Spamalot and uh, absolutely crushed the show. That cast with Rob and Leslie. <laughs> And James, like what what a treat that must have been. It, it's kind of a bunch of improv legends coming together. And you could definitely tell that there was some improvisation going on uh, during the show. Um, so yes. I, I've got to ask you, you know, what what was that kind of process like for you? Because I know you love improvising. And, and do you have do you remember a moment that that was your favorite improv night? Easily. Yes to both questions. Um, Great. Uh, one is that because the process was so quick mm-hmm. uh, in the room, I mean, we had like no time to like, again, like throwing spaghetti is my thing. Like I go into a room, I I turn into a whirlwind. And by the end of it, by the end of the process, we have something. But it takes a month, you know, to get things. We had right. 10 days. I don't know. It was crazy. And so improv became oh a big safety net, you know, for us because we – you know, we barely knew the show by the time we were performing it. Um, and so we, you know, we had to like rely on this idea that we know kind of, it was like bumper bowling. Like we knew we had yeah. a place to go, <laughs> but we could use the improv as like little bumpers to get us along the way. So I, you know, again, it's like the fault of my fearlessness is that I don't really care what comes out of my mouth on stage as long as it doesn't offend truly. Um, sure. So my favorite improv moment of this run, and hopefully with any luck, it's going to transfer to Broadway. I don't, I don't know these facts for sure, but like yes. it should, I mean, it's like, it's, it's time and it's, it's, it would be a good cast to do it. Uh, so yeah. my favorite was when I was playing the knight who says knee, I got a chance to sort of, do say something that then James had to repeat and yes never was planned I always kind of figured it out like a minute or two before I came on stage just just to like keep my anxiety up in a good way and I made I don't know what night you were there for but I definitely made I made him sing the genie song I made him sing never had a friend like me in front of an audience 
And so like, I was not, not there only that night. was it fun to watch him like figure it out, but it was probably fun for the audience to see this Tony winner sing the song he was famous for. <laughs> so it was like this really great kind of set of events that took place. And I just was like, so jo- overjoyed to be on stage to like give the audience this James moment. <laughs> That is so freaking cool. That process it w- had to have been crazy. Did it kind of help knowing those guys already? I mean, it was kind of like a Beetlejuice reunion with Rob and, <laughs> and you and Leslie. Um, and does I that know. help with the chemistry and everything? Sorry, well, I know. Yeah, no, not at all. I, I think we have like a slight delay too. So I think that's what's, what's, what's screwing mm-hmm. us up. Uh, but I've known Leslie and Rob and I knew uh, James from forever ago. James is from my same hometown. Oh, get out of here. Uh, We actually knew James in California a little bit. Not, not a ton. We know each other a lot now, but we knew of each other. I knew of him. I was, you know, I was a fetus when he was 20. Um, So uh, that was fun. And also my, one of my writing partners is Nick Walker, who was in the show as well. Oh, no kidding. And then, so, yeah. And so it was just this cast of friends, you know, we got to like play around for money. Like that was the way it felt like. Oh my God. And we would have. I'm sure it's something we would have done if I asked people to come over to my apartment and do it for free, but we ended up yeah. getting to do it at the Kennedy Center. Um, right. So, yeah, it really did help, actually. You're right. The chemistry that we already had built and had made day one not feel like day one. Right. That's awesome. And I, you could totally tell as an audience member, it's like they okay. only had 10 days and it's like you, <laughs> they're putting together a masterpiece. But you're so right. I hope it does come to Broadway. You know, that cast was brilliant and more people deserve to see that show with this cast because it was one of the my favorite nights at the theater, truly. What yeah, a nice no, thing to sure. say. Thank you. Of course. Well, Alex, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, best of luck with the new projects and the writing projects that are so exciting. Um, you know, you. everything that you do as a performer, you've inspired so many people. So I appreciate you taking the time today and kind of letting them know more about you as a person. Uh, well, and not as just up. like on the screen. Yeah, you definitely have a lot to take a bow for. So thank you so much. Thank you. I will take, I'm sitting, but I will take a, 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 I'll do a nod. Period. Thank you. Take a bow, Alex Brightman. Oh my God. Just an absolute delight. Literally one of the funniest human beings I've had. The fact that we were able to just kind of throw it back and forth to each other was just a blast. Um, and, and kind of his willingness to, to chat with us for an, almost an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, honest to God, one of the nicest people. And honestly, like... I don't remember this, but I, maybe there was, and maybe it was a long time ago, like during the pandemic, but I don't remember someone like asking me a question. I don't know if you could tell, but I was really thrown for a loop there. Um, I was not expecting for him to like ask me a question and kind of like check in on me, which was super sweet. Um, and I'm, I kind of went on a little rant there, but, um, shout out to Alex for being just one of the kindest human beings. And, you know, you hear about stories of, you know, people that work with him and people that want to continue working with, for him and with him um it's it's just really it's really cool and to kind of get that experience i guess firsthand today uh while talking to him was just an absolute blast and something that i'll never forget so thank you alex for taking the time uh on your vacation nonetheless um so I appreciate you. And hopefully you all enjoyed those stories. Like the stories that we were able to get from like Elizabeth Teeter, uh, you know, with him breaking on stage and that hasn't happened in so long, you know, like those are the conversations that personally, um, maybe you guys don't, uh, I don't know, like find it as fun or, or whatever you may. Uh, but 
I, like those are the stories that I love, you know, and just peeling back the curtain, really becoming like memories and sharing that things people may not even notice, or it only happened like a one night thing. So nobody knows like the fact, like the fun fact with uh, him making James sing the whole, you ain't never got a friend like me, like the, all of that, like those are the fun tidbits that I, I love to hear. And that really peels back the curtain and, and peeks inside of the human aspect of the performer and who they are and what they like to do, um, as a performer. And, um, it's just really great. So, um, Hopefully you all enjoyed this week's episode. We talked a lot about the Tonys. We tried to shout out. We, we tried to. Uh, we shouted out uh, all you Beetlejuice fans and all of you wonderful fans who kind of saved the show in many ways. And shout out to Presley Ryan, who we both know and love. Uh, it's just a really fun episode. And for those of you who want to continue following Alex and and kind of soak up all of that content uh, of Alex and continue to follow his work and stuff he does have a new album coming out on june 25th it is with the luberger group who we had on earlier last month and it was it's so fun i can't wait to hear alex is the flim flam the sausage man uh and that comes out on june 25th sunday uh this sunday june 25th catch alex brightman as flim flam the sausage man you know his most uh renowned role uh of his career yet so um very excited for that a very serious role um one that he's never done before you know very very um into it so very excited for it and everyone can go check that out on all streaming platforms uh or you can download this or i guess buy a cd uh, from broadway records so uh everyone go check it out on sunday and i'll give you all a little reminder next week but very exciting stuff nonetheless. And shout out to Alex once again. He has so much to take a bow for. We're big fans of his career. And I know you all are too. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, come back Friday with us. Oh my gosh. You think I'd get the hang of this whole two a week thing, but uh, it's kind of keeps slipping my mind. Come back Friday with us and we will chat with Matthew Broderick uh, about his career. Whoa, that was a fun one. I can't wait to share that episode with all of you. And and uh, yeah, I uh, hope to see you on Friday and next week for a little Ben and Noah and some Tony Awards uh, inside the Tony Room content is, is coming next week. So stay tuned. Until then, bye, everyone. Have a great week. See you Friday. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Lauren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at 
Take About podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.